Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. Last week, we began a, a new three-week series that I hope uh, will be a resource to each and every single one of us in regards uh, to how we engage our neighbors with the good news of the gospel. Now, we've got this amazing news, this amazing gift, and it's too good to keep a secret. Now, some of you are already great at doing this. It's a natural thing for you. You're super bold in sharing your story and sharing what God has done in your life and telling people about the goodness of Jesus. And if that's you... Uh, you, you probably have the gift of evangelism. It's a spiritual gift given by the Holy Spirit that allows you to communicate the gospel to others in a way that is relatable and understandable and winsome. Uh, you have both the, the sense of urgency and the courage to do it. But if you're anything like me, maybe you feel nervous, or anxious even, or it seems like too daunting of a task to take on. You're scared of rejection. You're scared of being embarrassed. Maybe you're scared that as you share your faith, that someone will ask a difficult question that you won't be able to answer. The purpose of this series is to help put some practical tools in your hands to help equip you to become better at living on mission and sharing your faith. Because here's the thing, we have the greatest news ever told in human history, so we've got to get it out. You might even say we have a responsibility to do so. Uh, To keep this great gift a secret is a tragedy. It's extremely selfish. To have received a gift so incredible and keep it a secret is a tragedy. Uh, When something great happens to you, you want to tell the world about it, right? For example, when you get engaged, you're putting up pictures of the engagement and of the ring, right? When you get married, you're sharing the photos and telling everyone about it. When you're pregnant and about to have a baby, you do a gender reveal. You throw baby showers. When you buy a home or get a new apartment, you have housewarming celebrations and you share the good news with your friends. And the reason we do all of those things is because it is an incredibly reasonable and appropriate response to receiving such great news. Well, how much greater a joy should it be to know that we've received the forgiveness of sin and new life through the finished work of Christ? Shouldn't that elicit a greater response from us and motivate us to share this great news? But how do we do it? Do we approach random people on the street? Do we grab a megaphone and yell from the top of the rooftops? Should we print out signs that say repent or else and walk around the neighborhood with these signs? I don't know. Maybe those are some ways that you can do it, I guess, technically. Is it incredibly effective? I don't know. I don't think so. Which is why in this series, I'm trying to give some practical tools to empower us to live on mission. Hopefully in a way that is first and foremost biblical, natural, and conducive to gospel conversation. And again, I said this last week, not that it's the only way or the best way, but I do think that it can be an effective way of doing life with those who are far from God and inching them closer to Jesus. Like we mentioned last week, Jesus was the greatest missionary who ever lived. And what did he do? He was a friend to sinners. He was invited to parties and sat at dinner tables. It was within the context of that friendship, with all genuine love and compassion, that Jesus was able to call out sin and call to repentance. He was able to share the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the kingdom of God. There was a tearing down and a building up 
that Jesus was able to do, but it was within the context of friendship. So last week I shared a gift with you all. Uh, it's an ebook that accompanies this series. It's a short read, super practical. If you missed out, no worries because you can still download it. Uh, the link is here on the screen so you can go ahead and do that. The premise of the book is that we're called to bless our neighbors. And bless is an acronym which stands for this. And you can write this down in your notes. I'll just go through it quickly. B, begin with prayer. L, listen. E, eat. S, serve. And S, story. Uh, so today we're going to talk about the first two, a prayer and listening. In fact, here's the first big idea for today. And this is where you can begin. Okay, number one in your notes, you can pray for your neighbors. You can pray for your neighbors. Now, I know what you're thinking. Begin with prayer? This is how we begin to witness to our neighbors and, and, and share the gospel? This is how we bless our community? And the answer to that is absolutely. Now, this is something every single one of us can begin to do right now. Uh, in fact, you'll notice that in your notes, there's a resource that you can begin to use today to help you do just that. I'll explain it in a moment. Now, here's the thing. The reason prayer is so powerful and the reason we can begin with prayer is because of who we're praying to. You see, both the act of sharing the gospel and the receptivity of it, it's a spiritual endeavor. Remember what we mentioned last week, it's the Holy Spirit that does the convicting, committing, and conquering of hearts. It's a job only God could do. Our job is obedience, and so we begin with prayer. Uh, here's a quote from the book, Five Habits, that you might have come along if you've begun reading it as well. Dave Ferguson, he, he writes these words, I cannot change the world. You cannot change the world. Even prayer alone doesn't change the world. Only God can change the world. However, God uses prayer to change us, and then God uses us to change our world. Prayer is a mighty arsenal that God has given us to be able to not only ask Him for stuff, which many of us are pretty good at doing if we're honest, but to intercede on behalf of our friends and our family and neighbors who do not know His goodness. The Bible says we can boldly approach God's throne of grace because Jesus has given us access. And we actually see this model by Jesus, I mean, over and over and over again throughout the Gospels. We see Jesus withdrawing to be in solitude and to pray. It was rhythms of prayer and ministry rinse and repeat. If this is what Jesus did, shouldn't it be our main strategy as well? We see this modeled in one particular instance when Jesus was seeking out the men who would initially flip the world upside down with his gospel message. Uh, the guys that you know as the 12 disciples, how did Jesus find them or know who to choose? Luke 6, 6 allows us to pull back the curtain and peek in. During those days, he went out to the mountains and prayed and spent all night in prayer to God. When daylight came, he summoned his disciples and he chose 12 of them, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the Zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So get this, before Jesus selects these guys, he prays. He pursues God the Father through prayer to be led to the right people. And what's interesting is that through this time of prayer, he's led to this ragtag group of guys, men that perhaps uh, he wouldn't have been drawn to otherwise. I know that if it were you or I, in the flesh, we would try to find the best equipped, best looking, most educated, guaranteed to win type of people. You know what we wouldn't do? Pick some fishermen, tax collectors, political anarchists, and potential backstabbers. But through prayer, 
This is who Jesus was led to. And this is the group of guys that would flip the world upside down. For Jesus, it all began with prayer. So, have you ever intentionally spent time praying for your neighbors? Have you intentionally spent time praying for your lost friends, family, classmates, and co-workers? Praying for God to save them. Praying for God to give you opportunities to befriend them or to share your faith. If we're honest, many of us don't even know our neighbors' names. We live in a society that treasures privacy and anonymity. What if this were something we began to implement into our daily rhythms? Do you think this is something that could potentially change the way we engage with our lost friends, family, and neighbors? I I think so. There's something that God does inside of you when you begin to intentionally pray for someone. The Holy Spirit begins to build a sense of compassion and tenderness toward them. And He will even open your eyes to opportunities that you never noticed were there to share the gospel with them. So, So in the book, the author gives us a practical tool that we can use to help us be intentional about not only knowing our neighbors' names, but to begin to pray for them. Now, there's, there's no fast or hard rule here, but uh, in the, with the tool, you can list some of those names in those empty squares of people that you will begin to pray for starting today. Maybe it's the neighbors directly around you. Maybe it's one neighbor on every floor in the apartment building that you live in. Maybe it's a relationship in each social sphere that you're in. For example, at a workplace, your favorite restaurant, your gym, and somebody from your block. Now, for some of you, As we've been talking about this over the past few minutes, some names have already been coming to mind. You know exactly uh, who you should be praying for. For others of you, you realize that you haven't even been intentional in knowing who your neighbor is. So you're going to introduce yourself. You're going to learn their names. You're going to write it down, and you're going to begin praying. But we want to be intentional about praying because this is where it begins. This is a spiritual endeavor, so we need to begin with prayer. What if, instead of waiting for God to grab our attention, we were intentional about giving it to Him? What if we began each day with a prayer to be a blessing to our neighbors and ask God for divine appointments? That's a quote from the book as well. And I wonder what might happen if we began each day with the prayer to be a blessing to our neighbors. What if we asked God to give us these divine appointments? He might just hear us and answer our prayers. The second big idea for today is this, and you can write this down in your notes. Number two, listen to their heart to discover their needs. Now, I'm pretty sure I don't need to convince you of this, but we we live in a society that loves to be heard but hates to listen. Social media is a short-tell sign of this. Everyone has an opinion, and their opinion matters above all the rest. And their way is the best way. So a new movie comes out, like the new Black Panther movie that just came out, right? And... We want to go and give our five-page review as to why it was horrible or why it was the best. There's countless words typed up on the internet about who's the true GOAT, Michael Jordan or LeBron James. Everyone has an opinion on it and wants to communicate it. I mean, how many debates are elicited during election seasons about which candidate is the savior of the world and which one will conjure the purge? Everyone wants to voice their opinion. Uh, There's plenty of talking. But there isn't a lot of listening. And when it comes to blessing our neighbors, introducing the gospel, having gospel conversations, and living on mission, we can simply begin by doing more listening than we do talking. We see an example of Jesus doing this as well in the gospels. There's an instance where Jesus is busy doing the itinerant preaching thing, healing the broken and the sick, sharing the hope of the kingdom. 
when a singular voice out of the masses catches his attention. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 18. As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Hearing a crowd passing by, he inquired what was happening. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they told him. So he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those in front, of, those in front told him to keep quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came closer, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Receive your sight, Jesus told him. Your faith has saved you. I want you guys to envision this swarming crowd around Jesus. There's a, a buzz and excitement about this guy from Nazareth who claims to be the Son of God and who has the receipts for it as well. And off in the distance is a beggar interrupting the party, trying to grab Jesus' attention. Uh, he's even hushed by the crowd, but Jesus still hears him. Jesus takes notice of the guy and asks him to come close. But the most fascinating thing here, and you can read it right, you can read right past it if you're not careful. Jesus asks him the question, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't it obvious, Jesus? This guy is blind. He's begging on the side of the road. His disability keeps him from being able to work. He's hopeless uh, from being able to enjoy the quality of life that everyone else can with two working eyes. So no duh, Jesus. He needs a miracle. However, Jesus asks him the question, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus took the time to ask the question and listen to the man's response. And if we're not careful, we can come into a conversation thinking that we've got all the answers and that we're the cure for people's ailments. We feed into the reality of the rest of the world. We love to speak and hate to listen. We grow impatient in actually listening to others. But something that we can learn here from Jesus is that if we're careful to listen to our neighbors, if in the process of befriending and getting to know our neighbors, we would listen, they will communicate their heart so that we can discover the true needs. But it all begins with listening. Are you a good listener? If we're honest, most of the time, we're not. In fact, in a conversation, many times we're listening only long enough to be sure to come through with the response that we want to communicate. We miss out on what others are saying because we're too busy thinking through what our response will be. But Jesus would listen intently. He was an excellent question asker. In fact, one author states that during Jesus' documented ministry in the gospel, he asks 307 questions. And he only gave responses to those questions a handful of times. So are you a good question asker? Are you a good listener? What might happen if we practice the art of listening? Now, I love uh, the figure that Dave Ferguson includes in, in the book. It looks like this. When we take the time to actually listen, it leads to the person feeling heard and being known, which ultimately translates to feeling loved. Do you think that might lead to some opportunities for spiritual conversation? Do you think that might help people be open to the gospel? Plus, when you're actually listening, you can address what they actually need versus what you think they need. If you're listening intently, you can address how the gospel meets that particular need. And that might be just the thing they needed to understand and grasp the good news of Jesus. So, you know, what do we do? We begin with prayer. Prayer is not an afterthought. Prayer is powerful, not because of the words we say, but because who we're praying to. So let's be intentional while praying for our neighbors, for our lost friends, family, and co-workers. This is not a sideline strategy. This is frontline ministry. 
We're presenting our neighbors before the Lord, praying that God would grant us favor with them and opportunities for divine appointments. And when the Lord answers that prayer and gives us those divine interactions, let's be intent on listening. I know you're super opinionated. I know you love to talk and hear yourself speak. Let's become good question askers and then really listen to their heart. Because with patient listening, they will reveal what they actually need. Through intentional listening, we'll be able to bypass the surface level symptoms and address the actual underlying need. And the need always boils down to Jesus. And this is where with God's help and prompting and the Holy Spirit's preparatory work in the hearts of others, we can enter with the greatest news ever seen, heard, or experienced, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That while we were dead in our trespasses and sin, Christ died for an imperfect, sin-ridden, rebellious people. We were without hope, without purpose, and heading for destruction because of our own waywardness and sin. The wages of sin is death, and that's exactly what is coming for each and every single one of us. But the Bible says that the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. God, who is rich in mercy, refused to treat us the way our sin deserved. Instead, the God of the universe entered His creation in the person and work of Jesus. We were incapable of, hope, of hope, upholding God's law. But Jesus did, living a sinless life so that He would be the perfect sacrificial lamb to atone for the sin of mankind. And like a lamb led to the slaughter, Jesus was hoisted onto a cross where He was barbarically and gruesomely executed for us so that by His blood our sins might be forgiven. He was placed in a tomb where the enemy had thought He had defeated Him. But on the third day, good news conquered Satan, sin, and death and rose from the grave so that all who would look to Jesus Though we are sinful, the righteousness of Christ would be placed on us and we would be called forgiven, loved, and children of God. And that's why the gospel is good news. And this is why the gospel can address anything you might be going through. It addresses anything your neighbors might be going through. Because you see, in our grief, Jesus is our hope. We have the hope for those who have put their faith in Jesus that we will not shed another tear, but be in the presence of Jesus. In moments of tragedy, Jesus is our comfort. He is one who has suffered as we suffered, but who endured suffering until the end, so that He can now be near to the brokenhearted. And we have the promise that for those who have put their faith in Jesus, we will be away from the pain and tragedy of this world, and in His presence for all eternity. In seasons of loneliness, Jesus is our friend. He is one who was also despised and rejected, who often had no place to lay his head, the Bible says. But we have a promise that he is close to us like no other, that he will never leave us or forsake us. And though human relationships may fail, he promises to be a faithful friend and always be by our side. In moments of celebration, Jesus is our source of joy. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from God, and God is a loving Father who enjoys giving good gifts to his children. And as such, we can enjoy and steward these gifts for his glory and the good of others. We receive these little slices of heaven on this side of eternity, and this should conjure up gratitude within our hearts as we treasure up God's goodness. The greatest gift of all being the gift of salvation made available in Christ Jesus. And it's a gift that's available to you today. All you need to do is receive it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to maintain it. You can only receive it. So for the rest of us, let's commit to praying for our neighbors. The greatest revivals of our history began with praying people. So let's pray for our neighbors. 
Let's do so by name. And when the Lord answers those prayers with divine appointments and opportunities, let's lend an ear. Let's truly listen to serve our neighbor, not as a means to an end, but so that they might be heard, be known, and feel love. Who knows what God can do through that. God, would you help us to be a praying people? Bring to mind the names of the people that you want us to engage with. Save them, God. Redeem them. Draw them to Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit. Forgive us for not treasuring our neighbor, for not loving our neighbor as ourselves, for neglecting the opportunities that you've laid before us in the past. And help us to do what your word teaches, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, that we might hear the hearts of our neighbors and address their needs, ultimately pointing them to Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?